So I, I don't want to scare people. And I, you know, that's not my nature, but we have alternatives and it is, you know, let's, let's build a real successful human civilization. We don't have to go along with this. Walk away. Death is not the worst thing that can happen. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, in a report that is being recorded on the 13th of January, 2021. And, well, it is a new year. And as you know, I'm taking a new approach here at The Corbett Report. I'm trying to remain solutions-focused, even as the world as we know it is falling apart or has already fallen apart and is being replaced by something else entirely. And that's going to be the subject of our conversation here today with a guest that will be familiar to my long-term viewers. I've talked to her several times on the program in the past, most recently in interview 1550 back last June, where we talked about the injection fraud. And that is Catherine Austin Fitz, who you will know, no doubt, as the founder of Solari.com. If you do not know that, you should get up to speed on that to visit Solari.com for a lot of information on a lot of important subjects, one of which we're going to be talking about today pertains to the second quarter 2019 wrap-up, which I only recently received. So (laughs) I think that's one of the questions that we'll have (laughs) off the top. This is called The State of Our Currencies, The End of Currencies. It's actually an incredibly detailed and very important report that touches on one of the matters that I think is going to be at the heart of the next few years. There's so much going on in the world, obviously, but one very fundamentally important thing that's happening right now is the shift in monetary base that is happening, question mark, what form that will take, what will be on the other side. These are the types of questions that are broached in this report. So Catherine Austin Fitz, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, James, and thank you for all your work. I can't tell you how much your stuff, your material helped me doing State of the Currencies. So yeah, Thank let's you. let's talk about this. This was the second quarter wrap up from 2019, but as I understood, it took a bit longer than that uh, for well, you to funny. actually get it. Out. I, we published the web presentation and we we published the audios, and then I started to write it uh, to write the full theme for the thing, and COVID 19 interrupted, and uh, it just got way delayed. And so we only came out. I republished in October 2020, and frankly, COVID 19 helped me tremendously explain to people because before that they couldn't fathom what I was saying. And then with COVID-19, they could fathom. And that's why I said your reports helped tremendously. So your reports on Bill Gates and some of the creepy technology uh, really helped us communicate because it's hard for people to fathom that it's, that the technology is, this has gotten this advanced without them realizing or knowing it. Right. I've heard you say in other interviews that uh, that you, you read somewhere that uh, a quarter of the U.S. population or half of the U.S. population thinks Bill Gates wants to microchip everybody. Well, we're so we're that, halfway there. Right. <laughs> we, we've almost yeah, was, educated the population at this point. Uh, let's see if we can go that extra step. And of course, that absolutely. pertains... That pertains to the future of vaccines report that I did recently, where, of course, we featured some of our conversation about the injection fraud. Um, because that was as, fantastic. That, well, thank you. And as I yeah. say, as you say, this is it is exceptionally difficult to try to 
it encapsulate this bigger picture of where they're trying to move humanity itself, which of course has knock-on effects on absolutely everything, including currencies in weird ways. But let's let's start on that note. Let's start talking about the technocratic transhuman overlay <laughs> of this uh, miraculous save of the dollar, as uh, as you as you point out in here. There's always something that comes to save the dollar's bacon just in time. Woo, that was a close yeah, one, guys. <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of miraculous the way COVID-19 really stepped in and saved the dollar and the U.S. stock market, too, together, and justified fantastic printing by the monetary authorities. So I go back to August 2019 when the G7 central bankers agreed to the going direct reset. And there was a marvelous, you know, we do a thing with top videos of the year. One of our top videos after your Gates series and, and several Corbett report was a wonderful dialogue by the head of the Federal Reserve, the head of the BIS, Bank of International Settlements, and the head of the IMF on cross-border payments. I don't know if you happen to see it. It's one of our top videos for the year. And at one point, Karstens, the head of the general manager of the BIS, says, oh, well, you know, once we go to central bank digital currency, you'll be able to turn off any non-citizen that you don't want to transact in your central bank currency, thus pointing out that you can you can turn off anybody. Absolutely. Yes. And, and I did point and, that out in my report on the great uh, your guide right. to the great monetary reset. So I hope people will take right. that into account because absolutely this goes to the heart of this technocratic grid that they're putting into place that is going to combine with the injectable technologies and all of this that is right. transforming what it means to be human, that's going to perfect collateral, etc., etc., of the human cattle. It's it's such a, an overwhelming picture. But you brought up the going direct reset, and I think most people don't know what that is. I learned about it from you. So tell us what uh -huh. that is. So the G7 central bankers got together in August 2019. Uh, the, every year they meet at Jackson Hole. The Kansas City Fed has a, a meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and they all gather to talk. Now, they all gather at the BIS globally, uh, usually every month. So, you know, but this is one where they really go off and, and deep dive and talk. And we saw after that meeting, um, they you had Mark Carney come out and say, well, you know, the dollar won't last forever. And, you know, some very interesting trial balloons. And you thought, what's going on? Well, Russ and Pam Martins were the one who got it, and they're our hero of the year because of their extraordinary deep-dive journalism on the Going Direct Reset, including this. But they, what they discovered was that BlackRock, our old friends in New York, had put together a group of central bankers who were, who were sitting at BlackRock, working at BlackRock. So you had Stanley Fisher, who's the former vice chair of the Federal Reserve, you had the, and he's the former chairman of the Israeli Central Bank, which is very relevant here. And then you had Philip Hildebrand, the former chairman of the Swiss National Bank, and then one from Canada, one from another. And they were working on this plan. And the plan was the going direct reset. Now, many people pay attention to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, and they are great. Re That's a distraction, okay? That's sort of the conversation, yakety yakety yak, going over here. The real game is on the going direct reset. And of course, the question is, what does it mean? What are they trying to do? But we know a piece of it is moving to central bank digital currencies, which is the end of currencies. If you look at my title for <laughs> the state of our currencies, the subtitle was the end of currencies, because this shifts you from having currencies in what is 
you know, once upon a time was a freer market to a technocracy. It gives you complete control at the individual transaction and the individual person level where the central bankers can turn a person's money on and off. So we're not talking about a currency. We're talking about a financial transaction system, which is the equivalent of a credit at the company store. Now, what that means is you have complete spatial control. You have complete transactional control. So, you know, think of the Chinese social credit. If you misbehave, instead of being free to roam 10 miles from your house, you're only free to roam five miles of your house. Okay. So, so it gives you the ability to control in many very highly granular ways, what you can buy, where you can go. You know, we are talking about a complete control system and a slavery system. I mean, that's what this is. That's right. Uh, And you just actually put it in the terms that I think people can hopefully understand it in that historical context of the company store. I owe my soul to the company store because you have to, you get paid by the company and you have to buy everything (laughs) from the company store and you have no way out of that system. Uh, They have you completely controlled. It's exactly the the vision for the the currency system that's going to be backing this transhuman upgrade that uh, is coming through the injectable technologies. Uh, It it all fits together in a way that I know to people who have never studied any of this sounds utterly outlandish because who would think to do this other than the most crazy psychopathic control freaks that the planet has ever seen. Paint that picture for us. Connect some of those dots. Here's what's interesting. If you look at all the different technologies and industries that are involved, this involves many different industries. And the key to what they're up to is to build out each pillar, is what I call it. So build out the military part, build out the intelligence part, build out the tech and cloud part, build out the telecommunications, and you know, build out the central banking part, but keep them separate in people's minds. And, and what's interesting is you see lots of information coming out about the different pillars, but they don't get connected. And that's what I've tried to do with State of Our Currency. That's what you've tried to do with your reports. We're trying to connect the dots between these many different industries and show you how it's coming together. Now, I have no problem. I mean, I have no problem envisioning where they want to go with this technology because having operated on Wall Street in Washington, I appreciate that many of these peoples are slavers. They believe in slavery. They practice slavery. If you've ever studied the intelligence agency's use of Manchurian candidates or mind control slaves, you know they practice slavery. This is not new. And if you look at slavery around the world, it's one of the biggest businesses in the world. It's bigger now than it's ever been. So slavery is part of the human condition. And the reality is it's unbelievably profitable. And if you look at the things that caused us to cancel the African-American slave trade with digital technology, we've reversed those conditions. And so the reasons they stopped it, they've solved those problems, which means if they can, they will. And, you know, so we're, we're, we're facing the absolute power, you know, the Lord Acton statement, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. And, and that touches they, on something that we talked about in our last conversation. You talked about perfecting collateral. Well, they found the way to do that by tagging, tracking, tracing every individual so that you are completely controlled. Um, you've, you are now a, a perfect tax cattle to be traded. Right. But let me tell you how we got here with, without everybody knowing. One of the biggest challenges we faced, I said at the beginning of, of 2020, 
that the number one question before us was, what are we going to do about the Beck brothers? That's an allusion to the Yellowstone show where you have two guys who play dirty and, and nobody can, you know, they keep kidnapping and killing and poisoning. And finally everybody gets together and says, okay, we're just going to have to kill them because there's no other way to deal with them. You know, this is force. And in the last scene in the second season, the protagonist is facing one of the Beck brothers. He's about to kill and he doesn't want to have to do it. But so he says to the Beck brothers, why do you keep doing this? And they said, no one ever fights back. Now, let me just give you a message from somebody who worked at, at at relatively high levels on Wall Street in Washington. They kept getting away with it. I'll never forget, you know, on the Kennedy assassination, they couldn't believe they got away with it. On the Iran-Contra for they're like, wow, we got away. You know, we stole 20 million. We got away. Let's steal 40. Let's, you know, and they've been doubling down forever. And the reality is, you know, if if you're someone like you or me who's done, a, you know, who's worked for many years to bring transparency to this, you know how many people prefer to not look at it, let's not go there, you know, whatever. And all of the solutions we could have taken to sort of slow this down and stop it, you know, it's really interesting. There's nothing I love more than being in front of an audience of people who are all making money building their own prison. And then they say to me, we want to keep making money, we want to keep making money building our prison, but we want you to stop it. It's like, how am I going to yeah. stop it if you all yeah. want to make money building your prison? Yeah, yeah, exactly and, right. And in fact, that, know, goes, I, that goes to the heart of what I want to talk about with you today, because this is not the okay. 2010s anymore. I don't want to analyze the ways in which they're making this perfect slave prison for us. I am aggressively uninterested in that. I am interested right. in that only insofar as it can help to illuminate what choices we have and what we can actually right. do to construct a different system. The problem however, that is painted rather vividly in this report and that you, I, I think comes through in so much of your work. You talk about the breakaway civilization and whatever's being done under the cover of this secrecy, uh, financial secrecy that's been woven into the fabric of, of U.S. law now with FASAB 56 and all of that that we've talked about before. Um, but you've talked about the breakaway civilization, whatever they're doing behind the cover of that secrecy. It really, to, to my mind, brings the question of is there any way for us to create a system outside of that that will not scupper the entire civilization that we now have? Will we be able Absolutely. to enjoy any of the creature Absolutely. comforts that we now have in that future system? Absolutely. So let me tell you the little secret. And we can talk in detail at another time about it. But if you look at how the economy is run, the economy is hugely shrunk and suboptimized for control. Control is the most wasteful, expensive thing on the planet. And if you could run the planet, optimizing the total economy free from that kind of control and oppression, you can create far more wealth. This is very, technocracy is the most wealth destroying thing I've ever seen. It's a much more complicated conversation, but there's absolutely no reason that we can't live a life, a very comfortable life. You know, civilization is very economically productive. Lawlessness is not, and central control is not with rare exception. So now, what I, uh, the caveat is Mr. Global may know about some geophysical risks that I don't know about. So, you know, there's a possibility we're all toast, but, you know, so, so that's another one. I'm a big believer we should go out in space, and one of the reasons why is I don't think we should bet the ranch on one planet, but 
put put aside that conversation there you know one it's not hopeless and two there are ways now the question is are we willing to do what it's going to take we can't all make money building our own prison and then on the weekends you know create a separate civilization it doesn't work this is like a 9 to 5 during the week kind of thing so so we all have to decide it's one person at a time if everyone just pulled out of supporting the prison building and and shifted into doing something productive i assure you it's you know they are few we are many now they but, have built but i have to interject can we fundamentally do that pull out our power from the system and start constructing something else with while doing that in the dollars and yen and pesos and whatever other fiat currencies we're given can we do that within the currency system that they yes. have created for us well you can start. Ultimately, you are going to have to not concede a monopoly over money printing, money creation, and money circulation. So in the 90s, the reason I got into the 11-year fight with the Department of Justice is I was building software tools that would allow you to see how all the money worked in your place and to circulate currency and equity without the central bank and without the New York Stock Exchange. That has to happen if we're going to align. In a living model, we have to build a financial system which is healthy for the environment. And unless you align the financial system bottom up with the environment, you can't do that. So you're going to have to, you know, we, it's funny, in the in our scenario design for 2021, we have an axis for culture and we have an axis for finance. And the axis for culture is human versus inhuman. And the access for finance is they print, we print. <laughs> so are, are, are they going to print all the money? Because then we're going to die or be slaves. You know, if we're lucky, we die. If, if we take back the money printing, you know, then we can build a human civilization. But as far as I'm concerned, if you look at those four quadrants, there's only one worth living in. And that's human and we print. So I really am very glad to see you focused on the money creation and the money circulation function, because that's what we're going to have to figure out and do. Now, let me just say one thing. One of the greatest reforms and one I would really hope you dive into that I've ever heard in my life is Bill Binney. Bill Binney, because if we're going to create, if we're going to print, then we need to be able to create physical and digital currencies that work together. Okay. So we have to be digital and we have to be physical. So the question is, digital systems right now have zero integrity. So how can we do something that has integrity? So I was talking with Bill Binney about this, and he said, here's what we do. We put, we, we develop curriculum for all the homeschoolers and the kids, and we teach them all how to make homegrown encryption systems. He said, it'll drive them crazy. The NSA could never handle it. <laughs> And, and what he was basically saying is, even though they have the best technology in encryption, if we can do enough homegrown encryption, then we can start to get in the game. Unless they have the quantum computers. Well, then you're back to physical. Right. You're back to physical. That's, that's, that's where it keeps going back to, to me. I don't see a way to do this without going back to square one, ground zero. I don't know how <laughs> we do it unless we build it from the absolute bottom up. No, here it's really simple. Can I tell you how to do it? So everybody take their gold coins, their silver coins, and their local coins. Okay, so everybody's got first. You stockpile them, and you just start using your coins. Just do it. You don't have to create a group. You don't have to agree on the rules. You don't have to have bylaws. 
You don't have to be open to surveillance. You just do it. Yeah. Yep. It's that simple. Right. Agreed. And when you just do it, you talk, yeah. you, you go to work on fresh food and supporting your local farmers and markets, because this is going to come down to food and money <laughs> because they're trying to control the food system too. So if you figure out the money without doing the food, you're still toast. And not to get back into the problems, but I think it is important to bring that up because uh, that's another fundamental part of this transhumanist technocratic nightmare that you you bring up in this uh, report, which is food and whatever kind of nanoparticles, whatever is being engineered into our food supply right. right now. It's not just that they are trying to replace actual meat with lab-grown meat and all of that just for fun or just... No, there there are substances that we are ingesting now that are going to fundamentally alter what we are as human beings unless we take back control of our own food production. Right, exactly. And as a matter of economy... Food is something you can do locally that's very economic. I mean, you can make it work economic. It's the safety rules and all the games and all the technocratic games that have made it uneconomic locally. You can fix that. So I don't know if you noticed that one of our biggest, uh, you know, we have a crowdfund called the Take Action Crowdfund, and our one of our biggest donations was the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund, because this is trench warfare. You know, you've got to get you've got to get lawyers in there and and fight. So I, um, here's, here's the one thing I would say, and not to dwell on the problems, but for many, many reasons, it's a much longer conversation. I'm convinced that what they're trying to do will fail because you don't have a culture that can hold together a global operation. Uh, you, you know, you need, you need a cult. Hypermaterialism cannot hold the system together with force alone. So I think these guys are going to kill each other because the greed and the corruption is so off the charts. I just don't see how you do what they're trying to do, because what they're trying to do is very, very hard. It's a conversation for another day. I, so I think the, the challenge is not how do we beat them? We can't beat them, um, because if you look at the weaponry that they have and their ability to deliver force, it's unbelievable. I think they're going to kill each other and fail. And it's contingent on us to survive and then build a living model that can really work. I, I don't think their model's going to work. And I, you know, I don't underestimate its ability to kill many of us before it fails. And that's why it's so important as part of the solutions to learn how to duck. <laughs> yeah, well put. And don't let them uh, stop, stop them from destroying each other, which is another aspect. So Get out of the way when they're fighting each other. There are two things I want to mention. One of my favorite times, I'm sure this has happened to you on the Salaria Report, was when I was talking with Dr. Gwen Scott about the global spring and what was in it, the nanoparticles and the other things. And I said uh, it was so depressing that after this is a pre-interview, I went and I thought I thought I called her back and I said, we're not going to talk about what it does to your body. We're just going to talk about the 10 action steps you can take to protect yourself. And she listened to my proposal and she said, well, dear, that's all very good, but you forgot the most important one. I said, what's that? She said, Grace, if you look at what's going on, we should all be dead, but we're not. So something else is happening. And I really do believe that, you know, the universe, uh, Caitlin Johnson has a great article about this this morning. The universe is not hostile you know, there are a small group of so sociopaths we're dealing with who have very powerful weaponry and technology who are. 
but the universe is not hostile. And if we can stop them, if we can find a way to not turn against each other and not fall prey to the divide and conquer, there are many, many solutions and there is a way through this. And part of it is we have to put a solution on the table that will really work because we've all been living the life of Riley in a non-sustainable model and, and kicking the can with them. So I'm sure you've heard my red button. Uh, yes, but we're all sitting in them. Well, I I think one of the things that the detachment of ourselves from the natural world in the course of urbanization over the past few, a couple of centuries has done is to detach us from the understanding of the Earth's natural abundance and how to connect an economy into right. that natural abundance and to work with that rather right. than to work against it in some sort of let's create right. this artificial monstrosity right. technological system <laughs> but again how do we right. how do we and take it, advantage of that without going know, back to ground zero uh, square zero square one <laughs> whichever term you want to use uh, you know this is you got you have you have 8 billion people and this all comes down to what they do in their day to day lives so, you know, I, I have news for you. If every person in the G7 world said, you know something, pulling my money out of any bank that's engaged in financial fraud, I'm shunning any person who's engaged in political or financial fraud. I'm not doing businesses with any companies that have purged all these, you know, great people, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going going to give my energy i'm pulling my money out of those stocks i'm pulling you know if everybody just practiced the shunning game not just in their lives but in their pocketbooks there would be a revolution there would be a revolution and yet everybody says well i'm not important my bank account's not big you know we all have excuses but the reality is transparency works and shunning works let's try them and see where we get to now, I did want to bring up one thing that I just wanted to let you know about, because I had the shock of my life over Christmas. I've been re reading a wonderful book, which is about the Northern European cultures during the Middle Ages. And I was reading it because I'm trying to learn the history of the place where I'm living right now. And uh, I went through all these different chapters about culture and economy and trade and science and literature and education and all these different sort of developments as civilization grew from Charlemagne to the 1500s. And I get to the next to the last chapter and the next to the last chapter is called plague laws. And they describe the bubonic plague and then a series of plagues every hundred years. And, uh, and what they say is this was fabulous because you could create um, centralized governments and you could centralize financial and intellectual capital and you could assert complete control over people's travel and what jobs they did. And that capital was then used to build Antwerp and then Amsterdam and the great cities and the insurance industry and modern civilization. Yahoo. <laughs> and so I went, I got online and I went back and I keep saying there's this hundred year cycle of plagues by a switch of the currency. Now I haven't studied it enough to really dig in and realize, but you know, I took one look at that. If you look at how the plagues have cycled versus when the currencies have moved. So mm. we moved from the Portuguese to Spain, to mm. the Dutch, to the French, to the Brits, then to the, the Brits and the Americans co sort of co 
reserve currency between World War One and yeah, World War Two, exactly. and then the, yeah. the U.S. took last over. You know, the, transition the, period during the last plague. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Whatever, Very interesting. Whatever, Sorry, you whatever. cut out when you were speaking there. What was the name of that book again? The, uh, the Edge of the World. There's a book review of it up on Solari. And uh, it's quite it's quite interesting. And this issue of Tim Wu has a wonderful book where he describes new information technology, how it comes out, it blossoms, freedom flows, and then suddenly, wham, it centralizes. And so this centralization process has been going on for quite some time. And and but this time it's coming to a head. Um, it's coming to a head in a in a way that is, I think, unique in all the cycles. Because, you know, after this, there may not be another blossoming. I think you're exactly right. And uh, uh, th- I keep coming back to this. I keep saying to people that this truly is the game for all the marbles. Th- we do not have generations right. of time. We do not have some mythical future. Don't worry, we'll get through this and it'll be good on the other side. No, we either decide now or they get their end game. And we know what that looks like, unfortunately. So let me say one other thing, because I really believe fundamentally this is a spiritual war and it's between good and evil. But um, in 1998, I made a decision that I would fight. And I would much prefer to live in the wilderness to be a member of the establishment. You know, I essentially made a decision, I'm going to fight. You know, I was offered a settlement. I said, no, I'm going to fight. And I don't want to be part of any of what you guys are up to. I'm going out into the wilderness. And I'm going to do that because, you know something, death is not the worst thing that can happen. And, and because if you look at where they're going and what their culture is and what their different practices are, you know, I, I just keep telling people death is not the worst thing that can happen. And, you know, if, if you look at where they want to go, it, it's not, I, I just can't fathom anybody being willing to go there. So I, I don't want to scare people. And I, you know, that's not my nature. But we have alternatives and it is, you know, let's let's build a real successful human civilization. We don't have to go along with this. Walk away. Death is not the worst thing that can happen. I I don't understand. I mean, clearly you understand that choice. I understand the choice. I don't understand why we can't communicate that. It is baffling, but I, I can only, I, from my perspective, I can only imagine it's because people cannot see that bigger picture. I can't imagine, as you say, I can't imagine anyone who would willingly choose to move into that world. Oh, I'll just go along with it. I can't imagine, can't fathom how anyone would do that. I can certainly see how people, as you say, want to protect what they have. They're building, bu- busy building the prison in their own way through their own actions. But let's just protect what I have, but make sure that we don't build this prison. And I understand that uh, cognitive dissonance that people have with that. But uh, that's why uh, this work like this is so important. And it goes to the heart of what we're doing uh, in trying to just get people to understand the importance of what's happening so that they can start to make the decisions that will make a difference. I want people right. to read this and, report. And How can people get their hands on this? So we only sell our reports to subscribers. You have to subscribe, but you can subscribe for 30 days and that's it. 
Um, and uh, if you sign up for the hard copy, there's a subscription where you automatically get the hard copy or a subscription where you just get digital, but then you can go to the store and buy the hard copy. Um, and if you, if you, if you subscribe, you can, it's in PDF forms, so you can download the PDF and print it out if you want, share it with family and friends. We encourage people to share it. So, um, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, I'm a great believer that you can always learn or figure out whatever you have to do. And we can all learn to, to use our own currencies, create our own currencies, circulate and bank time. You know, there, there are many ways to do this if you just take a deep breath and realize, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just start taking steps yeah. and they do not have to get you all the way to the end of the journey in the first step. That's not how it works. You take steps, you correct your course as need be, and you keep moving. That's the way to do it. And right. uh, I get, I know a lot of people find it also daunting, but uh, if you don't start the process today. Yeah, but he, here's, here's the little secret. If we figure out how to do a living model so that the financial, you know, we, we, we do it bottom up and we align with living systems. Everybody can be rich. There's so much wealth potential. If I told you, you know, when I first was presented with the simulation numbers by my own team at Hamilton Securities about how much wealth there could be created, I kept rejecting it because I couldn't believe it. You know, it was so huge. I'm telling you, the wealth on this planet could be 100 times what it is right now. And that's before we talk about some of the new technology. So, you know, I, I know it doesn't excite you, but it excites me because I love being wealthy. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I I would just be happy if but there's no, you know, there's no. I I would just be happy if we could avoid falling into the de the the slavery trap and decide what we do with our own lives. And that to me is you you couldn't buy that with any amount of wealth in the world just to be able to decide your own course. Absolutely, freedom. Freedom is it. Freedom is the ultimate essential condition of life. Right. So we're, so let's do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave this conversation here today, but I, I always appreciate it. We're going to have to do this more often so that we can get into some of the, some of the rabbit holes that we peered down today. There are obviously so many conversations that could spill out of this. I hope people will be uh, going to Solari.com to check out your work if they haven't done so before. Consider becoming a subscriber. Catherine Austin Fitz, thank you again for your time and for all the work that you're doing. Thank you, James. The first most important uh, solution is transparency, and you've done an incredible job. Just let us know what we can do to help. Will do. Thank you.